I don't believe that there's just one right model. You know, you go online and there'll be some quote unquote guru saying, oh, you have to do this way of doing consulting. And it's like the productized road or this road and everything else doesn't work. And I don't believe that because you have different like lifestyle, you know, decisions, goals, family, all these kinds of things that then impact the path that you want to take. The most important thing is figuring out which path, which model is going to be the right one for you. This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 158 with the CEO of Consulting Success, Michael Sapersky. This is Squadron Leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, You got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Everyone, thank you for joining us for this session of the AOL podcast. If this is the first time you're listening in, this is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists. And it's our hope that it will help you find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. I'm your host, JC Preston, and with me today is host of her new podcast, The Audacious Entrepreneur on the Move, Veronica Kieran. And speaking of which, before we get into today's chat with our guest, I did want to tell you guys that Veronica and I actually had the chance to meet in person this past week. And if you've been following the show, you might have remembered that we've known each other since 2016, where she first appeared on the show as a guest in session 51. And since then, she's become not only a co-host of the show, but a great friend to bounce ideas off of as we've both gone down our entrepreneurial journeys. Of course, this meetup wouldn't have been possible had she not decided to move to LA and make an anniversary book tour of her move. And of course, you'll hear more about that in today's session. Also in the session is our guest, Michael Zabersky. And Michael is one of the forefront leaders in helping people become successful consultants. And in our conversation today, you'll hear that he and I share many perspectives on going from a nine to five to getting your agency launched. Furthermore, Michael also shares with us how he got started in consulting and why he learned early on, how consulting can actually set entrepreneurs free from the grind, and the six principles of running a successful consulting business. But before we get into that, I want to remind you guys about Namecheap and it's almost 2020. The year of vision. And if you don't have your own website by now, you're not doing yourself any favors. Over the years, lots of options have popped up. And you know, there's actually services out there that where you can pay a monthly fee and host a simple to design website. However, sometimes those websites don't exactly do what you want them to do. And this is when you might want to opt for something like WordPress. Today, WordPress is easier than ever to work with. And in fact, most recent versions make it as simple to use as platforms like Medium and LinkedIn. And on top of that, there are themes which have built-in templates where you, you don't really have to spend that much time figuring out what you want the site to look like. However, getting WordPress installed can be somewhat of a task if you don't know what you're doing and know the back end of a website. So Namecheap made it an easy process to not only to install WordPress on your own if you choose to, but you can actually have them help you through an easy-to-use online platform. Also, they make it easy to buy an additional security for your site by easy access to SSL certificates. And if you plan on selling things on your website, that's something you're definitely going to need again in the year 2020. 
Oh, and one more thing. Let's not forget who WizGuard, which keeps random people on the web from looking up your hosting information. So if you want an inexpensive way to register your domains or get some help with your hosting, try out Namecheap. And if you visit newinceptions.com slash Namecheap today, you'll get peace of mind knowing you have WhoisGuard for your first year at no additional charge. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash Namecheap. All right, before we get started, remember to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening in on. My favorite player, of course, is CastBox for Android and iOS. It's probably one of the most robust players currently on the market. But that said, if you're an iPhone user, feel free to stick with the Apple Podcast app and give us a review. Speaking of reviews, we had a recent one this past week by a fellow by the name of Josh Christ. And Josh says, wow, in a single episode, my entire view on a topic as polarizing as being involved in an MLM was turned upside down. JC does an incredible job in interviewing his guests and selecting creative individuals who really bring unique ideas to the table. This show is a must-listen to any creatives or aspiring self-employed thinkers looking for a new perspective to approach the challenges that they are facing. And I got to say, thanks, Josh, for leaving the review. And uh, yes, the recent interview with Jeff Gamble is certainly one I've received several emails about, and one in particular was kind of apologetic about not giving the MLM business model a fair shot. And they simply said that they based their opinion on it from what they had heard from a lot of other people, and they didn't truly know someone who had had success with it. So yeah, I appreciate the review. And guys, if you want to review the show on Apple Podcasts, all you need to do is click the tab at the top of the app if you use an iOS for the reviews. That said, we also want to hear from you guys through email. So you can shoot us an email at Veronica Harrison or myself at heyguys at newinceptions.com with any current issues that you're currently going through while you're building and scaling your business. Again, that email is heyguys at newinceptions.com. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 158. And as usual, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston. With me today is the Veronica is, is Veronica Kieran, coach to Audacious Entrepreneurs and the author of Stories of Elders. Thank you for spending some time with us today, Veronica. What's up with you? How you doing? I am the Veronica Kieran. <laughs> the Veronica Kieran, yes. Hi, JC. Uh, well, as I recently told you, and by the time this episode comes out, it will be announced. I am moving to Los Angeles. LA. LA. Most of uh, you listeners know that I've been in the icy north here with JC for some time, and I can't do it. And so I'm ready to go. Uh, expand my horizons. I want not only the warm weather, but also to uplevel my business and to network with some of the bigger coaches and consultants out in, in the United States. Um, which actually dovetails perfectly with our guest today. I'm just going to dive right in who both is a coach and a consultant and really an all around international ninja and put a pin in that because we'll be coming back to it. What I find interesting is that he too has traveled the world to uplevel his business and to find opportunity and experiences um, and like sometimes with pitfalls, just like the rest of us, but today he coaches consultants, which I understand is a mouthful to help them uplevel their businesses centered on their expertise. So he doesn't okay. force you as a consultant to, to abandon what you know, love and have expertise in. he helps you amplify it. Um, and he also happens to have my brother's first name. So we're going to be BFFs. 
Today, we'll be speaking with Michael Zipersky, who can be found at consultingsuccess.com. Michael, hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, both of you. How you doing? We're good. Great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Great to be with you today. Well, thank you so much for being here with us, and thank you for tolerating me being goofy today. Um, it's all the, <laughs> like, looking at the LA horizons got me going crazy. So, but I want to, I want to kind of take a step back because I, I went through your website. I watched all your videos. And, um, for those who are curious, um, Michael's got a, a lot of videos on his website that take you deep right away. Um, and so I, I want to, um, to take a step back and to be clear with our audience that like, you've lived several iterations of life already. And, um, you're a young guy. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, based on what I know about you, it seems like your father, your family's relocation and your cousin are, have been very foundational to, uh, your growth and launch into your current career. Would you mind just giving our audience a little bit of a background about these early adventures that you had? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was born in Toronto and at a pretty young age, I guess two years old, my parents decided to uproot us and, uh, and move us to the Middle East. And uh, we spent about four and a half years living in Israel. So I was dropped into you know a new country, obviously being two years old, didn't really know what was going on. Uh, but I, I appreciate that opportunity because yeah, as I you know got a little bit older, I started to, to experience uh, different people of uh, different cultures and languages and, and religions. Uh, and that really left a mark on me. But the interesting thing was then coming back to North America when I was about six and a half, seven years old, uh, I really felt like an outsider. So I grew up, you know, not speaking English uh, when I came back and not knowing anyone uh, other than, you know, some of uh, my direct family around me, but but no real friends that I had. So I had to kind of start from scratch and, and really felt like I didn't fit in. Uh, but that also, I think, catapulted me to to have more drive and more hunger, uh, got me into mm. sports uh, and and just put a new perspective. And so I've always been interested in different countries and people and languages and, and religions. I just think there's so much that the world has to offer. And uh, every time that I go to a new place, um, I learn something new. And uh, since I've started having kids now, my uh, oldest daughter at this time is turning four. And uh, we had our, our our second daughter who's going on about five months. But yeah, uh, yeah congratulations. My, thank you. Yeah, my daughter's turning four. We, she's already been to uh, on 21 different airplanes. Um, so oh we're trying, trying to get to see a lot of the world <laughs> at, at a young age. Wow. That's wonderful. Um, it sounded like from what I know about you, um, you, you got really close with your cousin when you came back to North America because he had similar experiences to what you did, um, in your youth. And, and he created kind of like a bridge back into North America for you. Um, but then like, what's really interesting. So your cousin's name is Sam. He's your co-founder. Um, so that's important to note dear audience. Um, but what's really, I just, I like, I just couldn't believe that you guys both lived in Japan for a time, but at totally different times, almost like opposite times. Um, so what do you feel were major takeaways from that period in your career? Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, you're, you're covering a lot here in a, in a short <laughs> period of time, right? But let's um, just dig right in. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I mean, we, we, it was an interesting time. Uh, I went so I did in university, I spent a year in Japan as an exchange student and went to a Japanese university. I came back to uh, Vancouver and completed my degree, which I really didn't want to do because even in my third year of university, I was already running one of our businesses. I actually, Sam and I actually started um, our first business together when I was in my first year of university. 
And um, and then I went over to Japan, was doing that at year of exchange, but I also started a branch office for our company over there. And so I came back, finished my year of university, kind of final of as quickly as I could, um, and then went right back to Japan and then spent about five, six years there building that company. And just kind of around that time, Sam decided he was going to also come over to Japan. Uh, but we we just decided it was a time for us to look at doing different things. Um, we We still continue to build that business together, but my wife and I, at that time, we weren't married. We had decided that for our future, I mean, Japan's a great place. We still go back every year, uh, have family there, absolutely love it, but uh, really felt that it wasn't the best place for us necessarily to raise to raise kids and just wasn't the healthiest of environments in, in many different ways. So we decided to come back to North America. Uh, and so just around that time, Sam had just kind of moved over to Japan. So yeah, we transitioned, um, but it was a, a really interesting uh, experience for me because I was you know, starting when I was about 19 or so years old. Um, I was working, or maybe I guess 20, 19, 20 years old. I was already starting to work with some very large organizations in Japan uh, and doing consulting for them. Um, they didn't know my age necessarily because I wasn't really talking about it, but I was there yeah. because I had an expertise. I had something that they didn't have. And I think that's just a lesson for anyone that's looking to get into entrepreneurship or anyone that might be feeling that kind of imposter syndrome, like wondering, you know, do I really deserve to be here and can I really make it happen? And just oh, my yeah. observation, right, is that there's a, if, if someone's talking to you, right, then you have something that, that, that they don't have in terms of like, if you're there to provide value. And so it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter like really any of your background, but you have a gift within, within inside of you, you have knowledge, you have expertise, you have value. Um, and that gives you a seat at the table. And so there I was this kid in my early twenties consulting for, you know, multi-billion dollar organizations. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the start of, of consulting. I love that. And um, yeah, God, you're just like totally preaching to the choir. Um, so I t I'm going to take another giant leap here because I what we're here to really talk about today is your current amazing work. And I really want to know like, what that moment was when you and Sam said, you know what, we, we're going to take this online, take this a little bit more virtual and say, let's start uh, consulting success. So why, um, that, that, that was an evolution, Sam still being in Japan. So what, what was that moment? And then how did you, um, you know, decide to say, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's go for it. All right. Yeah. So just to provide a little bit of context, it might be helpful for everyone listening. Uh, we had built and then sold, uh, well built multiple companies. We had sold one company and, uh, I was now back in North America. Sam was in Japan. Uh, we were running different companies. So I had a different consultancy that I was running, not connected to Sam. He was working at a, at a Japanese or an English language um, magazine in Japan, uh, doing kind of the marketing director there. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, what we decided is, listen, it's been a little bit of time, let's do something again together. And, but we didn't want to do something that would keep us all in one place. Um, my wife, Rika, is uh, from Japan. Uh, and uh, so we go back every year, as I mentioned, but we also just like the idea of, of traveling and seeing the world. And that's something that for Sam also is, is really important. And so we decided at that time, he was actually back in Vancouver and uh, we were at, at a family barbecue, I remember. Uh, we just kind of said, let's do something again, but this time let's just do something online. Let's figure out how can mm -hmm. we actually, you know, create revenue online, have a business online so that we don't have to be in one place. And that way we can still uh, generate income. We can, you know, serve the marketplace. We can make an impact, but we can do it from anywhere in the world. And so that was the decision we made. We didn't know what that would look like. And so in fact, Consulting success when we started it about almost 10 years ago, it wasn't called consulting success at that time. It was initially business, oh. business consulting buzz. Yeah, what a what a mouthful. Oh. But, um, <laughs> hey, that's that's very SEO friendly. <laughs> yeah. well, that, was, that was actually the reason, right? So we went into it 
And we had absolutely no idea what we were like. We, we knew consult. So we decided consulting mainly because that was really my core background and mm-hmm. I was going to write some content on it, but we had no monetization plan. So we just put up a website. We didn't really want to do a whole bunch of ads and AdSense and all like we just, we want to have a good user experience. And so we just started that initial site as a way to share experiences from the front lines of like what was working in consulting, what wasn't working, sharing stories of, Hey, I did this. Hey, I just got like almost my head chopped off by a Japanese samurai in a meeting. Like huh. just, you know, all these kinds <laughs> of experiences because we knew that we had learned some things and there's obviously some many things that we hadn't learned yet, but we, mm-hmm. we thought that others could benefit from that. And as we put it up, we started to get more and more uh, traffic building a community. And, and that led to people saying, Hey, these articles are really good, but do you have something else that you could offer, like something that could take us deeper. And so we developed a course and a book and we put that out and we sold, you know, many copies of it um, over the years. And then that led to, okay, this course and stuff is really good, but can you, can you coach, uh, you know, can you coach me? Can you help me to, to grow my own consulting business? And so we're running our consulting business, you know, separately on the side as well. I still had my business intact. Sam was doing his other thing. We hadn't done this yet full time. We we're kind of easing our way into it. Uh, but we just saw this transformation and then we decided, yeah, let's go all in on this because we really are getting a lot of uh, interest. There's a lot of demand. And that was what led us first to doing, you know, our first coaching program. And from there, we've just continued to develop um, and strengthen and improve the way that we serve clients through both our um, our online program as well as our, our coaching program and the other books and materials and podcasts and things like that that we put out specifically for the consulting community. Yeah. Man, this is, this is pretty interesting to me because, you know, one of the things that I... Well, when I when I help people scale is that I help them become consultants as well and as well as, as better coaches and et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that I've found out is when people are making that that jump, you know, they, they get into entrepreneurship, they become a business owner kind of like the same way that you did and that they, you know, they're naturally good at something and a lot of people are willing them to pay for it and they just continue to develop their business going that direction. Problem is that they never really separate themselves from that role right? They, they put people around them to handle other things, but the, the, the company stays centralized. They're still in the middle. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, you know, they, they build their entire business around that service or products. And so you can only get so big if you're actually doing, doing that, or if you're part of a small team. And, you know, to me, consulting really helps people scale and essentially free themselves from this day-to-day work if done right. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on how consulting can be something that sets business owners free? Well, the part that you just said there, you know, if, if done right, because a lot of people don't do it right. Well, one of the biggest mistakes I see people making is that they don't um, have a distinction or they haven't made the distinction between being a consultant slash contractor and being a consulting business owner. So you can mm-hmm. be a great, great consultant and you can you know, be good at your craft and providing expertise and knowledge. In fact, I just got off a call with a new client uh, before jumping on this, who he said, listen, I've done very well. I've been, you know, billing three, 400,000 plus a year, but I've, my income now is, is zero because uh, I don't have a client. And so he's been riding the roller coaster where he gets really deep into delivery of projects. And then all of a sudden he has to go hunt for the next opportunity. And so Uh that's, right. That's being a consultant. That's not being a business owner, because if you're a consulting business owner, then you always have your mind, not just on the delivery, but also on the actually working on the business, building a pipeline, ensuring that, you know, you are able to expand. And then that takes us to what you're saying there, JC, about really being able to scale the business. 
And that, that really has to do with, you know, what is the model that you're using and how are you providing services? Are you going the custom consulting route or are you going more productization route? Are you building a team? Um, so lots of different models. I'm happy to get into those as well, but I think just an important distinction for people is not to get stuck in just consultant slash contractor mode, but really making the decision that, okay, I'm going to build a business here. Yeah. Which is, which is very true because, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of consultants, a lot of coaches out there that just stick with their maybe a handful of clients, but it's like, for one, you know, I can understand and their limited capacity, why that sounds like a smart idea, but at the same time, they're not forecasting for the future by doing mm-hmm. that. They're, they're not, they're not helping themselves. You can topple easily. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the biggest struggles that I see is that people who are in a position where their, their business owns them and find them it's really hard to free themselves up from that. And so I'm curious what struggles that you typically see that are holding people back from becoming a successful consultant. So that goes back to what we were already talking about. So let's talk about those, those models a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so the big thing is I'm not, um, I don't believe that there's just one right model. You know, you go online and there'll be some quote unquote guru saying, Oh, you have to do this way of doing consulting. And it's like the productized road or this road and everything else doesn't work. And I don't believe that because everyone's mm-hmm. different. You have different like lifestyle, you know, decisions, goals, family, all these kinds of things that then impact the path that you want to take. The most important thing is figuring out which path, which model is going to be the right one for you. And so one of those models, right, is, is custom consulting. And so that's going in and typically working uh, with a smaller number of clients, but doing it uh, very much with ROI and value kind of focused fees. So you're maximizing the value of every project you take on. And it's okay if you only have five clients you know, kind of at one time, or if you work with 10 clients a year, because each one might be worth a hundred thousand or, you know, a million dollars to you. And so you're making a great income, um, not necessarily working that many hours because you've, you've maximized, right. The, the, the return you can get from every project you work on. Uh, but that also has limitations in that it's all you doing that work. So a natural transition right. and a kind of progression from that is more to the team model where you say, okay, I'm going to, identify the areas that I can create the highest value in. And I'm going to get very clear on identifying all the areas that aren't as high value. They're lower value, but still in, you know, integral to the success of the project. And I'm going to delegate those. And so I'm going to build a team. Now that team doesn't have to be full-time. It can be outsourced. It can be contractors, but you find people that can help you or technology that can help you to run some of those lower value tasks. And then what that does is that, that now frees you up to work, continue mm-hmm. working on building your business and bringing in new clients and all those other important things, strategy and all that, uh, while making sure that your clients are still getting taken care of and that you can then in fact take on more, right? Because one of the issues with the typical um, kind of solo independent consultant model is that you can reach capacity pretty quickly. And especially if you're going on hourly fees, you reach capacity and you, you cap out, you have a ceiling to what you can earn. So the shift to that is then, okay, I'm gonna increase capacity by building a team uh, th- which allows you then to take on more clients, right? And now you're making more. And of course you're, you're paying out to the contractors a certain percentage or right, mm-hmm. a certain amount, but you're still making a margin that now allows you to grow. And so you can add more team members. And I had a call with a client yesterday who's doing exactly that. He's now hiring, you know, another person into the team because he's just, the capacity needs to be increased because they have so much demand. But another model is one where you go more into productization uh, and this still can require team members. But the idea is rather than just providing custom solutions to clients, you create kind of a structured program or framework that you take every you know client through. So it doesn't really matter who the client is, 
um, as long as they're still your ideal client, but you essentially have a program that you've built and you, you have different phases or steps that people go through and you take, regardless of what's client A or client B, they're going through the same steps. You'll still customize certain aspects of it to ensure that it's right for them. But the way that you're taking them through that program is the same, whether they're A, B, C, D, or, or E client, they're all going through it. And that allows you to create a lot more leverage because you're building systems and processes that can be used over and over again. Um, and that's a, a great way to build value and to really create an asset. If you're ever thinking about selling your company, because right. if you want to sell your company and you know everything relies on you, then there's no value in the actual company. There's no real asset other than, than you. But when you're gone, so is the value. So mm -hmm. if you want to build something that you can sell down the line, um, then uh, then creating, you know, kind of a more productized offering or having other team members around is really how you can start to create an asset. Right. You have to bottle the special sauce at some point. So, um, I'm curious because I, we've been listening to you and dispel some of your own secret sauce. Um, and I love the way that you're approaching scaling consultants. Um, what, what do you feel are the six principles of running a successful consultancy? So, yeah, okay. I mean, we're touching a lot of the, um, kind of those points already, but I'll, I'll go through it. So number one is ensuring you have a simple business model. I see far too many people who believe that they need to have like 10 different service offerings to, to mm -hmm. grow and scale a business. Uh, in fact, if you study some of the most successful companies of all time, you know, they have like one or two product offerings. Like they're very, very focused. Um, we ourselves have seen in our business as well as with other client businesses that, you know, you can reach that million plus dollar level, dollar level with just like two offerings or three offerings. You don't need to have a lot mm -hmm. to, to grow. And so in fact, subtraction is usually, um, you know, more powerful than addition when it comes to growth and scaling. People always think, oh, I need to add more. But in fact, if you take stuff away, you're able to grow faster and grow you know, more efficiently uh, and effectively. Mm -hmm. and um, you become known for something now. Well, and, and bringing up that point, you know, one of the things that I've, I've had several people on the show that have been click funnel masters, sure. for example, yeah. and their, their funnels just get so complex mm -hmm. and it makes other people think that that's what they have to do. Oh, right. And it's like, no. No, keep it simple. It's <laughs> sort of thing. And I, that, that can be said for so many other kinds of processes. For sure. hundred percent. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. listen, com complex or advanced funnels or things of that nature have, have their place, but you don't need to mm -hmm. start with that. And in fact, if no. you try and try and start with that, you're probably kind of like shooting yourself in the foot because you're going to slow yourself down. It takes so much more time to build and, uh, and then figure out what's working. What isn't when you, when you have complexity. But if you just start very simple and, and start with the fundamentals, uh, then it's a lot easier for you to start taking action because there's nothing holding you back. And because you're taking action faster, you're able to get feedback a lot quicker and mm -hmm. know, okay, well, what's working, what isn't. And even if something isn't working, it's okay because now you're one step closer to knowing what does work because you've eliminated what doesn't. Right. Brilliant. Should we dive into number two? Yeah, let's do it. So. Uh, another one is is really about um, building kind of the right team. Uh, so we can go into that, right? Then another uh, is uh, having the right systems and processes in place. Mm -hmm. uh, then also learning to make better decisions, uh, sacrificing, and yeah, uh, <laughs> being being open to making sacrifices. 
and, and then yeah, there's one other one here that it's not coming to my tongue. So I think that's that's we're up to five now, right? Well, I really like, yeah. And I really, okay. So like making better decisions. Cause like the thing is like consultants, at least that I have met, they're like, no, I like, I do great at decision-making. That's why I'm a consultant. So what, what does making better decisions within a consultancy mean? Well, first it's, starts with making a decision, right? A lot of people nice. don't make decisions because um, they are perfectionists. Like I, I see this a lot with consultants and I think also coaches too, where you just tend to want to try and do things right. Like, and you want things to be perfect, but what you're not recognizing uh, by having that mindset is that that's going to then delay your progress because you're going to take right. so long to, to put anything out there. Um, so being able to make, first of all, you know, a, a decision starts with actually making a decision. If you don't do something, if you don't say, yeah, I'm going to do this and then actually implement on it, then you're not going to get any result because you might have a beautiful business plan and a really nice website and all these other things you've thought through and you're, you know, you've, you've kind of played in your mind all the different scenarios that could unfold, but none of them have unfolded because you haven't actually taken a step. So nothing good's come from it. Nothing bad's coming from it, but most importantly, nothing's even come from it. So in order to actually get, get things moving, (laughs) you've got to start taking action. And so that's what decision-making is about, you know, in in all of the the most successful people that I've uh, had an opportunity to, to, you know, to meet and to sit down with over the years and and to read about them in in biographies and so forth. One trait that I consistently see is that they make quick decisions. And Mm -hmm. even though they don't have all of the information that just by making the decision to do it, uh, it allows them to have a competitive advantage because most people are still thinking about everything that could go wrong. And so they haven't now taken action. So if you just decide, like, of course you need to think about the risks and I'm not just saying be reckless here and go out and just do all kinds of stuff without thinking about it, think about it. But once you've thought about right. it a little bit, and if it's something that you're going to actually do and you're committed to doing it, then just do it because you're never going to know everything that you need to know before, you know, before you actually do something, that's how you learn it. And, and that's why the most successful people recognize they just need to take action. And that by first committing to taking that action and actually taking the action, they're going to get the feedback of what of what's working what doesn't work? You know, did they actually have to do that thing? May they didn't need to do that thing. Um, right. you'll learn, you'll learn what, what is actually necessary when you, when you begin, not when you're just thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. You, it's all theory until you actually start doing something. And then you've got to, you've got to study your business. You have to always be seeing what is working, what's not just like you said. And if you've got nothing, you don't have anything to study. But there's so many of these different roadmaps that you find online and i actually write in a blog post about this so look back to the audience uh look back a couple of weeks and you'll, you'll see this blog post going out uh sometime today um but the thing is is that there's just so many road maps that are out there that say that you have to do it this particular mm-hmm. way you have to grow a big audience mm-hmm. so that you can get leads so that you can have those leads turn into sales etc cetera, etc cetera. it doesn't work that way at least not right now, because I mean, that's kind of almost going backwards because a lot of people don't spend time actually figuring out a craft at first to be able to actually sell to an audience, if that makes sense. They're so focused on creating this, this, you know, this, uh, this audience that they, they, they're, they're not figuring out like, how do I monetize mm-hmm. it? And I, that's such a, so many people fail to do that. And it's, and again, it's because there's this practical information that's out there that says, Hey, you need to, you know, build this audience because that's how you're going to get sales. Well, another thing that I've seen, and this is, this is also, I'm also mentioning this 
is that we know we were talking about uh, click funnels and building funnels and all these mm-hmm. sort of things. Well, one of the problems with that is that people see all of these people doing courses online in this mm-hmm. space. And it's like, that's what I got to do. That's what, you know, that's what has the only way. Money. Yeah. 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 And it's not because for one, you know, there's a thing called an icky guy, right? Which is basically your sweet spot of where you, where you are in the world and how you fit with other people. And people don't consider that. And if you don't consider that, then how do you know that, you know, becoming a, a, a funnel expert is going to be something that you can sustainably do over time? Right. Well, so that, that actually leads right into where I was going to take us next. So I, I was intrigued by the sacrificing, but also I want to make sure that we get uh, everything that we want to get in. And, uh, you know, we, I used to own a tech company as well, just as a little background there, Michael, um, called Green Cup Digital. And I sold it last year because I felt bogged down in the tech, just like JC is saying. And I I pr- actually really prefer working with clients. That's why I'm a coach. I love seeing their evolution. And I sort of got that at my tech company, but not really. Um, and it sounds like you've had some of that experience within your own company and what you've seen with your clients. So how do you feel that technology holds people back from growing their own consulting businesses? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I see this a lot where it's kind of like what JC has been mentioning that uh, people are looking for shortcuts. They're looking for things that can, you know, make their life easier or uh, after instant gratification because so many of the things that we can do these days can happen instantly. So we're looking for the tech, the tool, right? The, the little, the, um, the little trendy gizmo or whatever it is that's going to help us to, to see results quickly. Uh, but often what people don't understand is that there's a learning curve to, you know, to getting those things to work. So if you're deciding, okay, I'm going to, you know, jump in this new CRM or I'm going to use this new ad platform or I'm going to, you know, use this new social media. Great. But, but just recognize that to actually first, you know, get it to really work. Not only do you have to learn how to use it, but you have to then mm-hmm. do it, do it consistently. Uh, mm-hmm, and so right. I see people going out and, you know, if we take ClickFunnels as, as an example, which I think is a, is a good product um, and Russell Brunson has done amazing things with it. Right. But there's like a lot of people think, okay, I'm a consultant and I see a lot of people using ClickFunnels so, or whatever tool it is, right. Uh, I need to now go and use that, but you don't like the time that it takes to set up whatever tool you're going to use to sell something. First of all, it may not even be the right tool or technology to help you to get what you want. But the second thing is, it, it, you know, it might take you like weeks or months to really get that down properly. Well, if if you just actually decide that you're going to start taking action, you could literally today connect with your ideal client and be speaking with them tomorrow. So right. this, is where I, this is where I see technology holding people back is that people are, they have what I call the build syndrome. You know, they like to build things, mm. and whether that's like their, their website or their logo or their business plan, <laughs> right? It's work that makes people feel like they're uh, they're being productive but in fact, the, it, like, yeah, they're getting stuff done, but they're not getting the right stuff done. So they're spending time mm-hmm. building, but the problems they're not actually getting out of, you know, the metaphorical building. And so they're not talking with ideal clients. So instead of just focusing on creating and setting up all the right techno- technology kind of infrastructure, focus on actually creating conversations with your ideal clients. And then as you do that and you have, you know, more need and uh, there's greater demand for what you're offering, then you should be looking at, okay, well, what technology do I need? What's really going to be critical to support my business? But if you focus on technology ter- too early on, you know, you're probably, you're going to get bogged down in it and you're wasting time not actually having conversations with ideal clients. But the other big thing is that you're probably, you know, building and using the wrong technology because you don't even actually know what you really need to no, right. you, yeah, to service yeah. your clients right. and offer out there. So that's why those early conversations are so important. 
Yeah, there's like that myth still that, you know, if you build it, they will come. But it's not we live in such a saturated market now that we have to be very targeted. And if you build it, they will come. It does not it doesn't play out anymore. You have to know what to build. Doesn't It doesn't it doesn't work like it did back in the day when you built that website. What was it? The, the with the buzz? Oh, business consulting. But yeah, I mean, any of the, those early days where you could just put yeah. like an article on your website and, you know, put a bunch of content and automatically you just start getting people coming to right. it. And, like it doesn't it doesn't work yeah. that way anymore. I mean, what people forget is you know, build it and we'll come. No, they, w- they won't come because there's a million other places they could go to as well. It, that what they're forgetting is, is mm-hmm. that you have to promote. And when I say promote, I'm not talking about like in a dirty salesy way that people think, oh, I don't like the idea of promoting what I have. It's not that. It's, it's about like ga- gaining visibility. It's about getting on the radar of your ideal clients. Because if you have something that they want, if you can help them to solve a problem, you have a responsibility to get in front of them to say, hey, I exist and you know this is what I've what I'm an expert in. I might be able to help you. Let's let's have a conversation and learn how to provide value to them. But if you're just kind of sitting back in your office, you know, with your head on against the keyboard, just trying to figure things out and you're not actually having conversations, you're not gonna make any progress. Doesn't matter how good your website is or how good your whatever is, if you don't have a way to actually get that in front of your ideal clients, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. Mm. True. So let's say that we've uh, made that active decision to actually become a consultant and that we want to become a growth oriented business mm-hmm. owner. Uh, there's two big questions that I hear all the time when it comes to, you know, taking your expertise and, and making money from it. One is how do I know what to offer? And then the other one is of course, how do I know how much to charge for that offer? Got it. Uh, well, h- how do you know what to offer? Go and have a conversation. Uh, so, you know, you mm-hmm. might have as a consultant, you have a hypothesis about what the marketplace wants. And that's most likely coming from your years of experience, you know, in the corporate world or wherever you're coming from before launching your consulting business. Uh, and you might be right. You know, you might know exactly what the market wants, but you also might be wrong. And so, you know, before you go out and just build something, um, go and have conversations with the people that you want to serve and, and ask them questions. Learn what is it that you're dealing with? What are your problems? You know, what would be helpful for you? Why? Like just dig into what we call a meaningful consulting sales conversation. And when you do that, you'll really learn exactly what they want. And that makes it easy to sell because selling isn't something that you do to someone. It's something that you do with someone. And when you understand what is it they actually want, then you can just offer it to them. And it makes the whole process a lot more enjoyable, you know, when you're able to. Yeah. It's like knowing the answers to a test, Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Is that you find out what the answers are and then you can just go back to the yep. test. And, that, and that's the so. thing, right? Like a lot of people <laughs> are making it a lot harder for themselves than they need to because they're hesitating yeah. and you know, they have fear around going out and, and having conversations because they're concerned that, well, this is, I only have one chance and do I need to have all, like all my stuff and my website and my messaging just perfect before I go out to talk to people? And what if they don't like me? What if I say the wrong thing? Like, no, just go out and have conversations. Remember, this is not a transaction. It's not a one-time, you know, dealer discount. You're building a relationship <laughs> with people and relationships don't come from just one-time exchanges. They come from, you know, building value upon value and delivering and adding more, you know, depositing into that that relationship bank over time. So that's the first thing I would say is, you know, to learn about what does the market want, go to the market and ask them and have those conversations. How do you price it? Right. That's a great question. And there's many different ways to, to look at that. Um, it depends on what you're offering, right? If you're offering something that's more kind of productized, then you're going to have, I guess, kind of a set fee for it. And that fee may not change or may not change significantly depending on who the client is. But if you're doing the custom consulting approach, then you're going to want to look more at what is the ROI? What is the value of what's being created here? 
And that, first of all, requires having a really deep, meaningful conversation with the buyer so that you can understand what the value is and have them accept that they also see that value. And that, that comes from asking those questions and really like pe peeling the layers of the onion back so you can get to the core of what the value is and then making sure that they can see the ROI that comes from it. So a big mistake that I see a lot of consultants making is they just charge on an hourly basis. It's like, yeah, my hourly fee is $100, $150, $200. Yeah. Right. But you're, you're, if you're doing that, not only are you going to leave a lot of money on the table, you're trading time for dollars, which means that you're capping what your what your income potential is, and you're lumping yourself into the commodity marketplace of every other consultant out there. So if you want to differentiate yourself, then you need to, to switch the positioning and the conversation from one to like, how many hours is it going to take? It doesn't matter how many hours it's going to take. What matters is, and what the client cares about is, can you actually deliver this result? And what is the, re what is the, the, the result that, worth? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. like, what's, the, what's the outcome? And of course, it has to be within a reasonable timeline that works for the client. But when you have that conversation properly, what happens is you shift it from, okay, how much is it going to cost us to do this to, okay, I see this as a really smart investment because look at the outcome and the return on investment and the growth and the value that's going to come from doing it. And so now you get a client uh, and a buyer that's excited to engage with you, right? They, their hand, hand might be trembling a little bit as they're writing that check because it might be big, but they're going to be more excited because it's an investment that they are already counting on getting more back from than what they're putting in. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's, there's a lot more to be said about that because essentially what you're talking about is you becoming not necessarily the seller, but the buyer and them seeing that what you can offer, they're qualifying themselves be able to see if they fit with you versus you qualifying them, whether or not you're good enough for them. Yeah, it's all about the questions. I mean, the the one characteristic or or skill that really differentiates, you know, tremendously successful consultants from those who who struggle or who otherwise just have, you know, average businesses is how good are you at at asking those deep and detailed questions. Uh, the better that you are. The more confident that you are, uh, the more that you will have upside potential and growth and you'll win more business. But if mm -hmm. you hesitate to engage in those questions, if you hesitate to, to ask as you're concerned about being too direct or too salesy or too whatever, that you might lose that opportunity, then you're not going to ask the questions and you're not going to learn what, what the real value is. And there's a good chance that you're also not going to be seen as a true kind of trusted advisor and peer because, you know, you're you're hesitating and buyers can sense fear and they can sense when you're confident yeah. when, you're, when you're not confident. Totally. Right. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a book, um, when without pitching manifesto, have you heard of that one? Yeah. I've had actually Blair on, uh, on our podcast before. Great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He's that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one is something that's completely, not many people talk about what he has in that book and it's just, a, it really tips the whole way of, of, how you're presenting yourself to the world mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't even think about. So awesome. Nice. Yeah. So Michael, what, what has you excited for 2019? Uh, but we're already halfway through. So even beyond 2019. Uh, yeah. I mean, so th this year for me has, has really been about two things. One is um, our second daughter. Obviously that's a, that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, I was at a client event and this is around the time my wife was pregnant. I said, listen, I'm super excited to be, we were in Toronto uh, we had clients flying flying from around the world, and we had two days together. I said, "I'm so excited to be with all of you." But just so you know, if my phone rings, like I'm I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> so it, it it was an exciting time. Uh, but so that that's been one big thing. But the other one is we we've released a new program that 
I'm, I'm, it's just, it's the best thing we've, we've put out in, in our decade. It's called momentum and it's an early stage. Um, I don't want us to sound too, too promotional, but you're asking, so I'll just tell you what I'm really excited about. Um, yeah. so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's an early stage program for, for consultants. So people that are transitioning from the corporate world into consulting, or they're just, you know, they've been consulting maybe for a couple of years, but they haven't yet reached that kind of first six figures per year. And they want a proven kind of step-by-step, um, process and system to do that. That's what momentum is all about. And so we, we put that out, uh, we've just had tremendous feedback, uh, and kind of engagement and adoption of it. But we get emails every single week from people who have used it and it's grown their businesses. And so that for 2019 and for 2020 is really where we're putting a lot of focus on uh, because we just see there's a lot of people who may not you know, be the right fit yet for our coaching program because we work with smaller uh, you know, kind of number of consultants at any given time. And so momentum is really a, a great starting point for a lot of people that reach out to us, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we put it out. And so, yeah, our one of my big focuses is just continue to um, – to get that out in front of more people, uh, to continue to, to strengthen and improve the program. But the feedback that we've been getting has been just um, fantastic. So that's really what I'm excited about. That's awesome. So the next segment that we have uh, at the end of the conversation is the, uh, the rapid fire question segment. And one of my current favorite questions that I like asking is, what is one song, one book, and one film that you would add to the national curriculum, Canada, U.S.? Etc. Oh wow. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna start with yeah. Uh, book. I remember when I was in high school and uh, I found, I went into the um, just like a, a storage closet and I found a big stack of of Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. Oh wow. Uh, and I, I was like, what is this book? Because they weren't. It wasn't in our curriculum at that time. And and I took it home. I didn't ask, so I probably should have, but I just took it home. So sorry about that, um, high school, <laughs> but went home and I just, I, and I read the whole book in one evening. And I, I like I, at that time did not really read books. Uh, I think I had read three books in my whole life at that point. I was just almost going to university. Um, my first book was, um, was Shogun. Second book was Godfather. And third book was probably Siddhartha by, by Herman Hesse. And so that wow. book, like, I think it was just a great book because it, it, it's very different from the type of books that people are reading, you know, usually in, in high school. Um, so that would be, I think, a really great book. Another one, if I could add one more, uh, it's just one that I recommend to clients all the time, uh, is Straight Line Leadership. And that's all about leadership of self, not leadership of others. But I think it's a really, really mm. great book. And that's by uh, Dusan Jukic. hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And then you said one film. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, I, I'm, I love films. I love movies. I watch a lot of them. Um, you know, I, I just go back to like to old classics that I've seen back in the day of even like, you know, Ronin or, but these aren't things that I would necessarily say should be on the curriculum for everyone to watch or, you know, especially young children. Um, but yeah, there's for, for me in my kind of era, like I, I just, I enjoyed a lot of uh, Pacino movies and um, yeah, yeah. And De Niro movies. For, there's also a lot of great comedies, Eddie Murphy, uh, yeah, so there's maybe just some, no specific film, but uh, some names that, that come up that I spent a lot of time watching when I was a little bit younger and that I still, you know, would enjoy to this day. Hmm. And the song, yeah, that, yeah, that for me is a really hard one. Um, I listen to a lot of music, but I don't necessarily have one song that I would suggest as like a go-to. Um, mm-hmm. So that's hard, yeah. I, that's a really good question. I don't have a specific song. I, I would just say, like, <laughs> listen to a lot of music. So... When I was, um, you know, growing up like in high school, I guess elementary high school, I listened to a lot of hip hop and rap music. 
then I started getting into a lot of jazz, uh, then a lot of world music. And so whether it's, you know, uh, cumbia or it's, um, you know, some, some deep house or it just, so I think music is interesting because it can really broaden your horizon. And I've learned a lot about different places and just, you know, even like whether it's flamenco or opera, uh, I listen to a lot of different types of music and I don't have one song that I would suggest. Although, okay, I'd say sometimes when I come into the office, in, in the office, uh, the first thing, first song that I'll put on is uh, Nesim Dorma by uh, Pavarotti. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just gets, gets like the, the mind focused early in the morning. Get you going. Mm. Who would be someone that if you interviewed would cause you to become starstruck? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Cause I haven't really had that experience. Um, hmm. there's a, there's a lot of, yeah, just great people out there that I'm sure I would, uh, I would feel, <laughs> I would feel that way if put into that position, but yeah, these are good questions. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, no, like, I don't have anyone specific that comes to mind. I don't, there's no one that I necessarily just like follow and they're, oh yeah, I'd love to meet that. that there's a lot of people that, um, that I think are, are very, very wise and that we could learn from. And you talk a lot about click funnels today. I mean, Russell Brunson clearly is a, a very, very smart person. I haven't met him in, in, in person, but I'm, uh, certainly that would be, uh, I could learn a lot from him, Joe Polish, Dan Sullivan, uh, Dusan Jukic. I think he'd be a great person to learn from because I'm a big fan of his book. Uh, there's many, many people. Hmm. What message is out there that is a disservice to youth? Oh, I think our whole like education is messed up. Um, so I think there's a lot of a lot of problems going on. Um, so I guess a, a disservice, a message that is out there. So for for me, fi- like finances, that there there's a, there isn't a lot talked about this idea of of finances or or understanding of of how to yeah. manage finance or investments at a young age, and that's something that my father kind of gave me the gift of. Like when I was 12 years old, you just He's, you know, we sat down and he like opened up the newspaper and he wasn't like a big investment guy or a stock guy or anything like that. But we, he just started to kind of like introduce me to that world. And so at t- 11, 12 years old, we started looking at some uh, stocks in the newspapers and comparing them to like previous weeks. And that was just something that we did. And it really wow. introduced me to just this world of investing and also saving. And so from a young age, I've always done that. And it's really benefited me. And I've tried to pass on my, my kind of knowledge and experience to others because I think it can really make a big impact. So that's one thing that I think is a really, it's a, a disservice because it's not being introduced. It's not being talked about. People say, you know, go out and get a job, uh, but they don't tell you about what you can actually do to build wealth. Uh, and wealth yeah. isn't just about, about money, but money, you know, can create freedom. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of joy and, and happiness comes from. Amen. Too true. Uh, in the <laughs> last five years, what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life in the last five years mm-hmm. trying so i mean yeah i don't i may i might be, have very maybe i do this even longer than five years but i go to the gym um between five and six in the morning for me that's that's a really that's a key one i can't imagine not doing that maybe also not since longer than five years i'm gonna say having a smoothie mm-hmm. my wife always makes a smoothie in the morning that's also been probably like almost 10 years now um what other habit in the last Okay, so here, here's one that just didn't exist really um, or wasn't as available, and that's podcasts. So when I'm at the gym every day, uh, I listen to podcasts. I don't listen to music, even though that probably helped me to, to whiff, like lift more weight and run faster. But I just, I, I listen to podcasts because I'm, I'm learning. Like I just, uh, it's amazing how much I can accomplish and how many just new ideas go into my mind 
um, in all different areas. So I listen to business stuff and marketing stuff and sales stuff, but I also listen to stuff around health and nutrition and, and you know, mindset and meditation. Just I expose myself to a lot of different ideas and that's really beneficial. So that's something that I would say in the last five years I've started to do probably even in the last like two, three years I've done it a lot more. And now I can't imagine like, you know, not having that. So yeah. when I'm at the, when I'm at the gym on a daily basis, that's I'm listening to podcasts. What's your, uh, most go-to one right now? I don't have a go-to, um, and it's just because I'm listening every, every day pretty much. So I'm, I'm rotating, <laughs> but like, here, I'll just open up my app and give you a few that, that stand out. Um, Stefan Spencer runs a really great podcast on, he actually has two of them, but his podcast on, it's called get yourself optimized is really kind of around like optimizing your, your body and your mind and, and brain and all that. I think that's a great one. Uh, Roland Frazier has an amazing podcast called, uh, business lunch. Uh, Dustin Matthews, Get, Get Wealth Fit, I believe it's called, is really good. Uh, Masters in Business from Bloomberg with Barry Ritholtz is also a great podcast. Uh, Ed Milet, his messages I think are really, really solid. Uh, I could go on and on. There's a lot of really good podcasts out mm. there that I think are, yeah, Tom uh, Bilyeu from Impact Theory, amazing guest on his, on his show too. So yeah, a lot of good stuff out there. Cool. And the final question, what's it mean to live a life of abundance? I think, so for me, it's, it's being uh, grateful. It's uh, focusing on the present and uh, not just on the past or the future. Uh, it's also investing into memories rather than just into things. I think for, yeah, that's, you know, it, it's recognizing that, that money is, money is just money. Like money, you can always make more money. Um, and, mm. uh, several years ago, my stepfather, Barry was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Uh, he mm. since, he since passed away, but I remember like at that time, it was a bit of a realization for me that, um, that you, like, you know, this is our, this is the one life. And, and rather than just trying to put things off. And I saw this also in my years in Japan, like I wrote a, a blog article about this called, um, choosing money, like, yeah, warning to those choosing money over love, uh, that oh. I see so many, I see, yeah, I see a lot of people who put things off for the future and they, they don't do it because they're bad people. They do it because I was there too. Like they do it because they somehow are tricking themselves into the belief that they're going to be able to take care of their loved ones better, like in, in the future. So they're saying, yeah, I'm working really hard. Or I'm working on the weekends or I'm spending all this time doing these things because later on I'm going to be able to do this thing for you or do this thing for myself. But you don't know that you have that time in the future. So Really yeah. making sure that, that you're creating and investing in what you have right now and, and, and the memories. And so that's why, you know, for us, traveling is a really important thing and just spending time like, you know, going over the, so I'm in the office right now, but when I'm done, I'm going to go and spend time uh, with my kids and just with my wife and, you know, with loved ones and family and, and good friends. Like for me, that's, that's real abundance. That's real wealth. Um, and that's not stuff that you need to delay for the future. That's stuff that you can start uh, appreciating and enjoying right now. Yeah. Right. Right. And that, that kind of sends a message out to all those, those dads that don't get to see their kids because they're, they're working to provide mm -hmm. for those kids. But, and moms. Yeah. What? And moms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both, yeah. Both sides. And I mean, I, this is a very big issue. I think that goes across borders, um, that people are, you know, listen, you, you know, you got to work hard, you got to do what you need to do to provide for, for those that you love. But, um, I think too often people, neglect that what what those that you love want is you know they don't care as much about the money or the or the things that you're working hard to provide for them as long as they can survive what they really want is you right they want that time with you yeah. because that's 
that's what they cherish most. And you go and you ask anyone on their deathbed, you know, their last final days or, or breaths and you know, what, what, you know, what do you feel? What do you regret? And they'll never say, Oh, I regret that I don't have as much, you know, like I really want to have more money. You'll never hear yeah. that. What, what they regret is that they, they didn't do certain things that they wanted to do, but they were scared to do, or they didn't spend as, enough time or they didn't recognize those that really uh, they mm-hmm. cared most about. And that's, that's all stuff that we can all do right now. We don't need to delay that. And once we actually start doing that, then we become happier and we become happier. We start, you know, doing more of the things that we like to, to do. And that just makes us better people. And we end up accomplishing a lot more and living happier lives. Yeah. Why I'm moving to LA. <laughs> Sunshine. Don't, don't want to die not having yeah. done anything. Yeah. 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 Good words. Yeah. Well, again, Michael, thank you for spending some time with us today. Uh, again, you can be found. Your website is consultingsuccess.com. Where can people find you on the socials? Uh, so, yeah, LinkedIn is a great place. Uh, I'm pretty active there. And you can just go to yeah, Michael, type in Michael Zapersky, uh, find me there. And uh, we do also have a, a free guide. It's a 47-page guide for anyone that's interested in uh, learning how to grow a consulting business. And you can get, get that at consultingsuccess.com forward slash blueprint. Boom, boom. Awesome. Thanks so much. Well, Michael, again, thanks so much for being here. And uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Appreciate it. Hey, great being with you as well. Thank you. So there you have it all. Uh, Personally, I love that chat with Michael and lots of great tips and concepts we went over. And for me, truly, it was nice to hear someone that his level of success confirm various thoughts that I've had in building uh, a a successful uh, consulting business. And if you want to take this conversation further with Michael, I have a few videos of his from his active YouTube channel in the show note extras. And first and foremost, is is something that I think we all need to consider when we're starting a consulting business, and which is more doesn't necessarily mean better. You know, value to the end client isn't really about how many things you can do for them. It's usually about how quickly you can get them the results that they hired you for. And in the first video, Michael talks about his perspective on this topic. And in the next video, Michael talks about what he calls unprofessional professionals. And what he means by this is people reaching out to other professionals and trying to make something happen. But then when they do get someone interested in what they're doing, they don't actually do anything to actively get engaged with them. And this is a huge pet peeve of mine as well. Then for the last two videos, I have a couple of testimonials of the work that Michael helps others with. So check those out if you're wondering if Michael might be someone you'd work with in building your business further. Again, all these videos can be seen via the show notes at newinceptions.com slash 158. So that's it for session 158. Again, if it's almost 2020 and if you don't have your own website, Why is that? Get it done for cheap and with plenty of online support over at Namecheap.com. Visit newinceptions.com slash Namecheap to get free Guard as part of your new subscription. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today. And as always, we appreciate you guys joining in. Until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter at newinceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.